Hey Rodney, did you know Slack's been a part of the Ready for as long as I have? You mean like back in the Bryant Park days? You know it. Even when there were only a couple of us working out of a cafe in Midtown, Slack is where we came together to tackle the future of work. Over eight years later, we're fully decentralized across eight time zones, and we still do it all with Slack. That's right, because it's the AI-powered platform for growing your business, keeping your teams connected, and making work legitimately simpler. Now you can get up to speed on a new project with one-click summaries or find exactly what you need, when you need it, with an AI-supercharged search function. It makes your day-to-day easier and gives you the freedom to focus on what really matters, your future. Grow your business without the grind in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. It's a leveling up of our thinking as a work culture to say, wait a second, what drives employee engagement? That's right. We don't go after engagement. That's stupid. We go after creating the kind of system people don't leave. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Brave New Work, a podcast about reinventing our organizations and the search for a more adaptive and human way of working. I'm Aaron Dignan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Rodney Evans. Hey, everybody. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about how to invite other people to change the way they work, specifically something that we've been wrestling with and playing with in the last couple of weeks. But before we get into that, let's play with the check-in round. Yes, we're going to do a related check-in question, mm. which is... When was the last time you tried something new? Hmm. Well, I'm always trying new technologies. And the the recent addition to the household is an eight-sleep mattress cover that uses liquid cooling and heating to change the temperature to help you sleep better. And I heard that being a little cold at night was good for sleep. So I've been trying having it go pretty cold. And I'm definitely having moments where I'm like, I'm not sure about this, but my sleep scores are pretty good. So I think maybe, maybe it's a win. Maybe it's working. Yeah. That's exciting. I try new stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. It's one of my fatal flaws <laughs> is that people around me are like, could we just do the thing that we like? And I'm like, Twice. no, there's a new thing. Let's do that. Here's a new thing that I'm trying that I have mixed feelings about. This weekend, I am going to try training my dogs with a like a vibration collar because we have a new neighbor puppy and Rosie is so interested in that neighbor puppy that she is basically taking down a six foot fence one (laughs) board at a time which is disconcerting for everyone involved especially the puppy so this weekend we begin e-collar training in my house because I have reached the end of my rope with these little fuckers that live here who I love very much obviously wow interesting Mm. <laughs> you may need to switch I'll, to metal. I'll report back. Yeah, please. Okay. So today's topic is talking to other people about Brave New Work or maybe self-management more broadly in a way that resonates enough to get some momentum going, to like get some action happening. Let's just start by asking you, what's going on and why are we talking about this? Yeah. So I have had plenty of experience with this moment in the services side of the world. We, when we go in and coach and counsel and participate with teams and you get a lot of time, energy and space for invitation because you can, you know, it's not like this one moment where it has to like sink or sink or swim. It's more like we have a kickoff and we have a workshop, we have a speech, we have a book, we have a video, we have all these little moments and there's a little bit more of a general acceptance that what we're doing is working with the ready. 
And and that seems like a safe enough thing. And it doesn't seem too too disruptive to just sort of go along for the ride and see what happens. And then hopefully we we progressively kind of wake up and get excited as we go. But in working on software lately, there's a moment of I'm excited about this and now I have to tell my team, invite my team, share with my team. And there's just so much fatigue, so much tool fatigue, so much resistance to more Mm. that I think it can be hard to share, hey, let's play this game, this new way of collaborating, agreeing, building an OS in a way where people are like, yeah, hell yeah, I have that problem. I feel that. And it's worth pushing through the pain of learning something new to solve it. Mm-hmm. And instead, it's a little bit more about like, wait, what problem are we trying to solve? Yeah. And I think the problem is there are so many, the problem with the problem uh, to be meta is there are so many problems in play. Yeah. Retention, engagement, you know, getting people to solve their own problems, share a voice, giving people power, you know, more, more sort of symmetrical information, transparency, all these things that are connected to the OS, which is so broad. And as a result, it's kind of like, if it's everything, it's nothing. So how do I, in four sentences, tell a colleague in Slack or an email, hey, we have this problem and I have an idea of something that might be a solution. Yeah. Whether that be a practice or a piece of software or a tool or whatever, that, in, that exchange, that moment of opening is really, really interesting to me right now and how to yeah. think about that. Compounded by the fact that in Murmurland, there is not broad recognition in the world that agreement making is the solution totally so Uh, even if you could get like square on what the issue is and get momentum around one one particular thing i I feel like you're probably also going to have the challenge of people being like wait we have to do what with that which is like yeah it's just a big bridge to cross i think that's true and i'm very much focused on when I'm having this discussion with other people, now I'm having it with you, I'm very much focused on like, that's true. And if we don't nail the problem conversation, it doesn't matter what the solution is. And the example I come back to for this, and we'll be hearing more about them, I think, in future episodes, is Slack. Mm. So with Slack, the pitch was, email sucks. Let's do this. And everybody was so excited about email sucks that this was kind of like, Whatever, whatever it is, there's some willingness to to at least have a look at it because we're yeah. so much in pain with email. Yeah. And I think the same thing with Notion, where the pitch with Notion was, hey, you have way too many tools. What if we could put it all in one place? And yeah. everybody's like, I don't know exactly what the paradigm of the solution is, but I'll figure it out because that hurts enough that I'm, you've got my attention, at least. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've been playing with is when it comes to Brave New Work, when it comes to agreement making and new ways of working what is the way of pitching that's that tight that someone can do to open the possibility up and to get people curious enough to be like should i try something yeah 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 and and things come to mind what is your working one liner right now well we've been i mean we've been playing with a million things and the one that i'm excited about right now there's basically two there's a very positive way to do it and there's and there's a little bit more of like a kind of problem focused way to do it so the problem focused way to do it is basically to say people quit because they don't believe things will change what if they could change things mm, and so it's it. really it's really straightforward it's just like look the problem is that 
you know, people are not satisfied at work and, and the quitting, the retention, the great resignation, that's kind of the, the bumper sticker for that right now. Mm-hmm. It's just like people are walking, you know, they're, your best people are walking because of something. And mm-hmm. the reality is they're mostly walking because they don't believe things will change. They don't hold out hope for iteration. Um, mm-hmm. And if they could change things, maybe that would unlock it. So that's the kind of like slightly more negative spin. And then the, and then the more positive spin that I've been playing with is, is kind of writing to, you know, to your, to your team or to your group and saying, look, I believe everyone should have a say in how we work together. And right mm-hmm. now you don't. And so what if you did? And maybe being more explicit and more transparent about the way we work together and letting everyone have a voice in creating it would lead us to, you know, a better, a better experience. So that's kind of more mm-hmm. connected to the share of voice piece. And the last thing that's kind of in the ether, which is on the jacket of the book, is going back to the best work of your life conversation, mm. which is just saying, like, fundamentally, I'm not sure if we're doing our best work. Mm-hmm. And and what would it take? What would it look like for us to do that? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things I have. I don't know, 6,000 words on this, but th- those are like some of the things bouncing around in my head that are applicable to a brave new work introduction in a very hands-on way, but also applicable to a tool like Murmur, I think. And mm-hmm. I'm curious where you go from there or what you've seen working in the work at the edge and even what you see working with different sizes of company or different contexts of company. Yeah. Is it different? Yeah, it it, it is different. And we can talk. I, I, I have an interesting parallel right now because I'm working mm. with two companies that are really big and one of them is full of really kind, flexible <laughs> people who are like very polite yeah. and one is them is not and the the levers are different mm. depending on that sort of thing obviously to be clear i'm not blaming those people those people are 100% behaving in response to the system around them it's always i would the also system. be a monster in the latter system <laughs> i have been a monster in a system like that but my point is i am finding the levers to be different and before we go there here's what was coming up for me as you were talking about that yeah. I'm going to just like throw out there the very loud voice that started talking in my brain. Nice. I wonder if the problem that you're solving with murmur or self-management in general is th- is this one. It's you're expending the energy anyway. <laughs> Channeled it differently. Uh-huh. Because what I'm noticing in a lot of organizations giant ancient bureaucracies, brand spanking new DAOs is there's all of this human effort. Like Mm -hmm. it's all, it's all happening. Like we're already working hours and hours and hours and we're writing words and words and words. We're having meetings and meetings and meetings and (laughs) the hours of conversation, all the material is there and it's not moving anything forward as quickly or in a way that feels as satisfying as we'd like it to. And where I'm coming down very recently in a lot of different spaces is like just, you know, if if matter cannot be created or destroyed, sure. just use it differently. And that does, obviously, that means giving up some old ways of working, et cetera, et cetera. But also in most spaces, we can agree that our ways of working aren't serving us very well. And I'm real, I've really been banging the drum a lot lately of like, this tool or this way or this meeting design or this whatever is not in addition. It mm-hmm. is instead yep. take what you were doing and just pivot it. I wonder how that lands for you in terms of a tool. 
Well, first of all, I love the idea of a like a principle or a law of conservation of organizational energy. Yes. I think that's fun. We should play with that, potentially even in a separate episode. Because it is true that what you don't address comes out another way, right? Yes. It's all, you know, it's all just fluid. And right. so, it doesn't just go away and yeah. be quiet. Like when you and I have a fight in a meeting and it's not resolved, it's not like, oh, that just didn't happen. And now there's no cost to that. Like <laughs> right, it's, right. it's kicks off, you know, everything yeah. kicks off something. Yeah. And if you don't spend the hour to prepare the meeting, you will spend that hour in response to whatever comes from the lack of preparation, right? So exactly. it's like, you're, it, you know, and it might not just be you that spends it. It might be five minutes from everyone wasted yeah. that equals the same amount of effort. So I like conservation of energy makes sense. The thing that I'm struggling with a little bit is the principle makes sense, but to an average everyday person, how do you say that in a way that lands as bone deep as email sucks? So let's do mm. something else. Yeah. Right? Like what is the kindergarten version of that observation yeah it's like friction sucks (laughs) right the thing that i that i always come back to because i've been on both sides of this bridge in my career is in my old life i felt like i couldn't do anything about the place i was in and what that led to was it actually like bleeding into the rest of my life because I would come home and complain about it and I would dream about it and I would worry about it and it like infected everything. Mm-hmm. And like rather than having to complain about work to my spouse after a long day, I just don't like that energy just goes into actually making things different, better, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I fundamentally what you're what you're getting at is about participation and it is about everyone having a voice and having an impact. But I don't think that to your point, I don't think that lands as deeply as like email sucks. I right. I think, you know, I think there's something in there that is just about like control mm-hmm. and agency and like spending two thirds of your life at someone else's behest yeah. is a really shitty feeling. Yeah, and and it's funny you say that because in a conversation I had this morning, we were talking about this and and the sentence that started coming out of our mouth was, why is it so hard to change anything or try anything or fix anything? Yeah. And that was kind of the like, that felt like uh, human speak for what's what the experience of work is. Yeah, it's, it's like change like, sucks. It's so hard to change or try or fix anything. Yeah. Why is that? Yeah. And and you start to get into the question of, well, because we lack a way to do it. We lack a structured yeah. way to do it. We don't have a place for that. We don't have a method for that. We don't have training for that. We have none of that. Right. And so and so what would that what would it look like if we did have that? And then yeah. and then you can basically say, like, you know, I found I found a tool that claims to do that. <laughs> Should we try it? Yeah. Um, and again, whether that tool is a practice or an actual app or whatever, like it's, you know, it, I, this applies across uh, the whole spectrum of what we talk about on the show, I think. So, so yeah, so I think that that is definitely resonating more, but I do wonder about the staging. So like if you're a 10 to a hundred person startup, is that your parlance versus a hundred to a thousand versus a thousand to a hundred thousand? Do you feel like the, the words they use might change? I mean, I feel like in the startups that I've been around it, the the words are like chaos sucks. 
mm-hmm. because you're spending so much time just trying to make sense of what the fuck is going on around you. It's exhausting. And whether that's competing priorities or whether it's interpersonal tension or it's wh- whether it's lack of clear structure, whatever is up for you, the chaos of a com- of companies that size, I mean, except for ours, which is obviously the best one of that <laughs> size, uh, is but but like think about how true that really is. I've been thinking mm-hmm. about the ready a lot lately, yeah. and how because there's so many very cool things happening right now that just feel like very expansive. And every day I get on Slack in the morning and I'm like, holy shit, things are happening. Then this is like feels like real magic. Think about how unchaotic the ready feels at 30 or 35 people compared to your average startup of that size. Right. Right. Yeah, it is weird. It's weird that it can be like doubling in size every year and feel like a lifestyle business. 100%. (laughs) And I'm not saying that there's never friction or there's never agita or whatever. There obviously is and And there always will be. Like there's lots of hours going on. So much hard work. But like how much time, I mean, I can barely think about a week or a month or a quarter where I've been like, I spent a lot of time on this and it was a waste. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to Allie about this yesterday, not to go on a tangent or Tuesday or whenever in my life, time is a flat circle. Um, (laughs) And how, if you think about how small we are and particularly like how small we were at this time last year, think about how much work happens at the ready in a group of 15 to 40 people. Mm -hmm. It's fucking insane. Part of that is because people work hard. Part of it is because we have an extraordinary team. But part of it is because we don't waste time on stupid shit. Right. It's all work. It's all work. There's no other stuff. It's right. work and play. or it's socializing right. and there's nothing else in between. And so I think to this point, like where I started with channeling energy is like part of why a tiny, tiny company can run a large business and explore adjacencies effectively and incubate and spin out other businesses is because there's no tax. Like there's no Right. Wasted. It's all nonsense. work, all play, no bullshit. That's right. <laughs> that's that's what people don't understand is possible. Right. And talk to me more about chaos because it's a word you and I love, and it's part of our little like spectrum from chaos to bureaucracy and third way argument and all that. What are other words people use to describe the feeling of chaos at work, where they'd be like, you know what the problem is? Because I don't, I don't hear that as often as I wish I did as the like single label for it. Yeah. So what else do you hear that feels like they're pointing at chaos, but calling it something else? Yeah. I mean, I hear lack of clarity, lack of alignment, Mm -hmm. lack of clear priorities. I do hear in in more chaotic environments, I hear lack of systems and lack of process. What what we know that they don't is that just creating more process will not save them. (laughs) But but that's how it shows up is like we don't have a way of doing this and we should and that would solve our problems. Like what what they actually need is a very light working agreement in so many cases. Yeah, they need a system for systems. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They they need a system for systems. But those are the kinds of things that I hear. And and then also what I hear a lot on inter on the more interpersonal side is like we're swirling. Mm-hmm. We keep making the same decisions. We keep unmaking decisions that we thought we had already made. Like we mm. can't stick to things. Um, we can't, you know, I hear a lot from organizations that I think are more chaotic in nature. Like we just can't execute. Mm-hmm. 
that's a big one that comes up, you know, especially with really like purpose led organizations. I hear them say like, we really know what we're after and we are so inspired and energized and we just like can't execute. I don't know. What else, what else pops to mind for you on the chaos? Well, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I ran two Twitter polls this morning. Oh, ooh la la. I didn't see them. And I didn't know it was in anticipation of the show, but now it seems very well planned. Fantastic. Fantastically well planned. Um, but no, I put out two polls because they only let you put four options in each one. Okay. And I said, founders, leaders, managers, which problem is at the top of your list right now? Oh, okay. In your own parlance. So the first one offered four choices, clarity and alignment, uh-huh. employee engagement, employee retention, and indecision and inaction. Okay. And the landslide winner was clarity and alignment. Totally. It was like 56% of the vote. Yeah. So, so there's something there. And by the way, employee engagement, 4%. Yeah. Everybody is using Nobody that. gives a shit about Nobody that. gives a shit. That's not where the action is. So yeah. clarity and alignment, which, which to me Nor feels should like, it be. Well, no, I agree with it. It's a leveling up of our thinking as a work culture to say, wait a second, what drives employee engagement? That's right. We don't go after engagement. That's stupid. That's we go byproduct. after creating the kind of system people don't like. Exactly. So I do feel like the, the data is showing that that's starting to be known, which is Love lovely. Love to see it. And then in round two, I said, same question, different answers, changing how we work, mm-hmm. disagree and commit, mm. scaling culture, and employee onboarding. Which one do you think is number one? What was the third one? Scaling culture. That one. That is the least high of Stop. the four. Can you believe it? Was it disagree and commit? Nope. That is number two. Wow. I'm so out of order. What was number one? Changing how we work. Interesting. 40%. That's that's interesting. Because I don't think people know what the fuck that means. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of bias here because I mean, we're talking about my people following, who are interested right? in this. Yeah. So that's fair. But I put some promotion money behind these two tweets just now. And what I'm hoping is in the show notes, we can share the final data. That's because oh, we're going to get a much bigger blast. We'll yes. get a blast across like all of Twitter Christendom. And we can see what is going on. So that is uh, that's a little taste of market data. I I think it it backs the I think it backs your play with a lot of what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. And we've talked about this on this show before, but it's it bears repeating. If you haven't like tumbled down the self-management rabbit hole, you don't really understand the how of work. Probably. Because probably no one has ever asked you, really. No, it's the this is water argument. Like, you're, right. you're just sort of in the water and you're like, hey, you're a fish. Did you know there's water? And they're like, what? Yeah. 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 I was I was talking to Zoe last night. We had beers and I was telling her about my funny conversation where I tried to explain Web3 to someone and it was very mm-hmm. enlightening and enlivening. <laughs> and I feel like I might have won, but it doesn't matter because it's not a competition. The point is, I was saying how much Web3 parallels self-management in this particular way where it's like if I'm just out in the world and I'm talking to someone who's working at like, I don't know, fucking Ford, it's like describing a color to them that they've never seen. I'm like, okay, so imagine blue. (laughs) And it's just like, it's sort of like this. And it's just, it's just creating a multi, like a, a real nuanced mental model out of thin air for people yeah. is incredibly difficult to do. I think I think that's true. And and that's why I think 
the substance of this conversation, and I have a follow-up question for you about some of your ideas from before. The substance of this conversation is about agreeing on the problem, not the solution, because to your point, they can't imagine blue. Yeah. So that's not really the first stop. The first stop is, does it hurt when you do that? Then don't do that. And so if we can get some alignment on this is the issue, this is what we're all feeling, this is worth expending energy on moving beyond or around or through, then you can start to employ some of these other techniques and things we talk about on the show all the time around invitation and storytelling and sampling and going down the rabbit hole and all that. But I think the hard part is sometimes we jump to that. We're like, oh my God, have you seen blue? And they're like, I'm perfectly fine with green. Yeah. So yes. And what is so, God, it's so funny how the universe is just very like noisy (laughs) today. I just this morning dug out the very old sort of change management stages Mm -hmm. thing, which is like modeled off the Kubler-Ross stages of grief. And obviously we have a lot of beefs with change management in a traditional (laughs) way, but, 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 but I do still think that that particular framework is very interesting. And to the point that you are making, what I was reminded of is for those who are in the denial stage around Mm -hmm. any kind of change, their mental state is looking for evidence of the status quo. Right. And for those leading change, the move is giving them information, giving them support, and creating alignment. Not painting a vision of the future, not trying to motivate them, not Mm -hmm. celebrating whatever kind of progress they made. It's just being like, okay, you're afraid. That's okay. Here's why this isn't scary. Here's data. Here's evidence. Here's stuff mm-hmm. and scaffolding. Because yeah. I think what people do, I'm so, so guilty of this, who are like further along in just generally adaptive behavior, is that to your point, I'm just like, isn't it so dead fucking simple that this is the right way? Why are you being like this? Just just do it. Like, let's just go. Let's just go. You said you wanted to. Let's just do it. You're, you're skipping resistance and experimentation and expecting acceptance when people are right. still fully in denial. Totally. And, and I think, yeah, you can't get anywhere from a place of denial. You have to be in observation. I mean, we, you know, this is very like OG psychology, but you're either in pursuit of pleasure or avoiding pain, right? At some level. And so right. you can paint a picture of a better future, but if it's not landing, if they can't see blue, then you have to start with, well, what what hurts and how do we move beyond that? However, and this is my, my caveat question for you, the thing that we have talked about here around chaos and lack of alignment and priorities and systems and like waste and energy and all that, that's all hard to say and admit when you're the leader. Yeah, of course, because you it's, feel, it's, it feels like it's about you. Yeah, and so what I'm wondering is, are there in the earliest days, and, and I think it's okay if you have a very like standoffish stance about this, but in the earliest days of making this transition, is there room for a way of saying that stuff that somehow lets everybody be in the truth of it without being too attacked or, or mm. feeling too vulnerable about it? Mm-hmm. Do you have thoughts about that or questions about that? I mean, my prevailing thought about that is... Regardless of what the explicit power dynamic is, to some extent, we've all created the dynamic that we live in. 
<laughs> and yep. so there being so, so so that and someone I used to work with used to say this to me all the time. And I thought it was very brilliant. He used to always say, everyone makes the best decision that they can with the information that they have at the time. Mm-hmm. And one way that I think when you're trying to like sort of sit in the stew of what the problem or the tension is, is just everybody first acknowledging and accepting that, that like, we didn't get here because we're fucking stupid or because we wanted right. to make a mess. We did the best we could at the time. We all behaved rationally probably for the last five years. And like, yep. and here we are. And we all played a role, whether our role yep. was being passive, whether our role was sabotage, whether our role was making the decision. We all, we all contributed something to the stew and it doesn't taste very good. And so let's just start from a like fairly blameless perspective and go from there. It's very interesting that you say that because it makes me think about the pitches I described earlier and the dynamics around that that play out throughout the change. So taking Slack again as an example, email sucks. Mm-hmm. It's not about people as a yeah. statement. It's about otherness. It's this other thing. It's this system. It's this like cultural phenomenon. But you're never really saying we suck. You're mm-hmm. saying email sucks. Mm-hmm. However, what's really interesting to me about that is For teams that say that and then move to Slack and don't ever change their behaviors and patterns and agreements around how they communicate, they make Slack suck too. Totally. Because actually what we suck at is communicating. Yes. (laughs) Right? Like the the email is, it has some technical misgivings and some like issues that hold it back from being the best communication tool. But even still, a lot of what makes email hard is us. Yeah. And, you know, you can do it well if you really try to. And so I think it's it's interesting that it might be necessary for that first evolution to externalize the problem, but then for the second level to occur, you have to internalize it. Like, then you have to own it. Right. Well, what's funny, I was in a project retro this morning uh, of a project that's wrapping up, and this feels very related. <laughs> a question was posed about what different first moves we might have made with this group many, many months ago when we started, given that they were already feeling quite burnt out and quite like apathetic and stuck generally. And I have a working theory right now that the move with groups like that, that is counterintuitive based on what we normally like to start with, is actually doing Mm -hmm. strategy work. Mm. And normally... I don't like doing strategy work early because it's just a further abstraction from ways of working. And even though we can create the strategy in a different way and blah, 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 it's still like we're not actually going to dig into our day. We're going to do this other thing. But for a group that's in pain, I think that layer of abstraction allows them to avoid the mirror of their bitter tasting stew (laughs) and, and have a a different kind of object to focus right. on that's not right. them that then allows them to be like, okay, well, now that we have this thing that we're headed toward, it's easier to say, let's change how we meet. Let's change how we decide because we have a new reason for doing that. Right, right. Yeah, there's that's more. Not, like that's the email. The email is yeah. the strategy. It's just like, it's there's not us, it's that. Right, right. And I think to me, that makes me imagine different ways of saying chaos and lack of this and lack of that, that that feel like a phenomenon rather than a finger point. Yes. To me, 
I really want to find the third way that's not avoiding pain or pursuing (laughs) good. Because I fundamentally don't think either of those things, like neither of those things will sustain you over time. Right. And having had the experience on the services side of the house of, of both, like the leader who is in chronic acute pain and is like, I'll do anything, just fucking help me. <laughs> and then the leader who's like fired up and super lit and quoting the book to me and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. It doesn't last on either right. side. Right. It just it's neither of those energies is sustainable for the marathon that is fundamentally changing your OS. Well, and I think you can you can see them as a bit of a pendulum where if you are fully swung over to one side, just the pure sort of inertia of things is going to you're going to end up coming back down to to the other direction or to the yeah. center. And I find that the people that are really good at this which is not necessarily what I'm trying to drive at here, but the people that are really good at this are so grounded in the center where it's like, I'm aware of what's really going on right now and I'm I'm not hiding from it. I'm vulnerable to it. And I have a lot of optimism about what can happen and what should happen and where we might go. And both of those things are kind of connected to my principles. Yeah. And so my principles, my values, whatever you want to call it, they kind of are are the tether that keeps that pendulum from swinging too far in either direction. Yeah. Because I can be with both sides simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a model in in act which is what as you know I'm I'm sort of <laughs> trained in from a coaching perspective that's about the balance of acceptance and courage that I find that which is which is it is a chain it is a change model that is oriented toward the individual. Right. But basically it's like you need the courage to disrupt and you need the acceptance to sit with. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're overweighted on either side, you get like complacency or you get more insecurity. Yeah. And so I do think that there is a thing that's like neither about pursuit or avoidance. And instead, it's about like we're here for reasons we don't need to judge those reasons or blame each other or even really interrogate why we're here mm-hmm, right now mm-hmm. we just are it's yep. it's fine and also like more just curiosity and openness and courage paired with acceptance versus the other kind of moves i think will serve you in the long term will serve anyone in the long term cuz it's like yeah. if every time i had the urge to try something at the ready that was new i had to start from a point of like really turbo ambition or really acute pain, I would never make it. I would have been gone years ago. <laughs> it's kind of a throwback to to Jim Deathmer's episode and conscious leadership generally, which is like really challenging you with, can you accept yourself for being where you are? Yeah. And just, just be with that and be okay with that. And then are there commitments you'd be willing to make that would change things? Yeah. And change that recipe, but you can't make those commitments. They won't let you in their coaching practice make those yeah. commitments until you accept yourself whole body. Yeah. And be like, yes, I can accept that this is where we are and it's okay. Yeah. So maybe the third way is just like, you are where you are. Yep. Go somewhere else. <laughs> I like that as a place to stop, actually. You are where you are. Go somewhere else. Watch for that above the fold on a website near you. Nice. If you like what you're hearing, please do leave us a review. They mean so, so much to us. 
And also, please forward our show to any friends or any humans who you think would really like it. Yes, tell us your answer to the question. How would you pitch Brave New Work to a colleague that is not about it? Yeah. And maybe we will talk about that in a future episode. Uh, Quick tip of the hat to Taylor Marvin, as always, for making us sound good. Brave New Work is produced by The Ready, where we help organizations around the world change the way they work. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at theready.com. As for you, thanks for listening. Now go change something.